Hi there, this is Madison. Unfortunately, it looks like episode four got slightly messed up. It has been fixed in Anchor, but some other podcast services may not have caught that update yet. If you experience troubles, look at listening to episode four. I'm going to repost it for now. Um, just a little uh, extra episode for y'all, I guess. Um, so my apologies for that. I'm still kind of getting used to this platform, but uh, I hope you enjoy. Kohelet by Madison Scott Clary R.J. Brewster, 2112 R.J. slid her hands from the cradles and leaned back from the headrest, letting out a full-fledged yawn pent up from the interferites preventing it. The sound and motion startled Priscilla from across the room. A levered himself out of her seat and trudged over to the still-purring cat, stroking over her ears when she bunted her head up against her hand. Her mind foundered in a slurry of work, of Cicero's disappearance, of school with Sasha, of honing and forging. I'm wiped, Prissa, he informed the cat. She purred louder. Smiling, A peeled her shirt off over her head and slipped out of her jeans. Tomorrow's rehearsal would mean full dress for everyone and makeup for the actors. A'd have to make sure her tux was clean. Should A iron it? Maybe A should iron it. Later. For now, as it neared two, A focused on making sure the door was locked and the lights were out before stumbling over to bed. A flipped the screen down on her rig, descended to sleep. There seemed to be no shaking Sasha in all her talk of high school, gone now this last decade out of her head. Even as they climbed into her narrow mattress and burrowed beneath the covers against the chill of the night, it was replaying memories from school, scenes from the Americas, a worn-out film, dim and scattershot, honing and forging, honing and forging. And Sasha had tried dating early on. After a few weeks of it not going anywhere, they had both admitted that they had felt pressured into having a relationship rather than actually wanting one. Good boys and girls fell in love with other good boys and girls, right? Went out to the movies, kissed beneath the bleachers, or something, pretended they didn't have sex. The relationship petered out rather than ending in some climactic fashion. They had continued the trend of going to movies and later live performances. They had never lost touch. Sasha had gone on to have a string of other relationships, some earnest and some not, some more intense than others, a string that remained unbroken if tonight's conversation was any clue. But RJ had stopped there. The intensity of the social pressure to date throughout high school was equaled only by RJ's complete apathy toward the whole scene. Apathy, or often, antipathy. Eight felt the occasional twinge of romantic attraction, perhaps, but the expectation of sex that went along with the process so put him off that A had buried himself instead in work. A did well in some courses and not in others, as any kid might, but in the subjects A enjoyed, A dumped all of her effort. Huge gusts of energy that drove him forward. A had started early on in working the school's old soundboard in the theater. A ran plays, A ran concerts. They ran assemblies and lectures and conferences, quickly earning the trust of the other tech crew as well as the staff. And then they gained leadership, prestige. The various computer classes had captivated him as well, and for her 16th birthday, her parents had surprised him with the implants needed for full interfacing with a rig, or, well, surprised, 
Her father was an engineer, and her mother a fairly forward-thinking person, and they had promised him the procedure before university. Honing and forging. Honing and forging. It was a straightforward procedure in an outpatient office, self-guided implants largely installing themselves. The worst had been the itching. It was bearable on her hands and along her spine where the implants and exocortex had breached the surface of her skin, because at least they could scratch, though they had been cautioned not to. The NFC tags in her forehead and the interferites embedded deeper, far, far deeper, led to an itch that no scratching could ever reach. From there, sound and the rig had taken up all of her energy, leaving little time to worry about the social stigma that went along with an aversion to romance. It was simply the nerdy sound kid who knew more about computers than the teachers. It hadn't always been fun, of course, but by then they had quickly learned that the more I put into the task, the more I got out of it. The more I honed, the further I went. That I had found furry in high school seemed almost a natural progression. Working and improving at the art of interfacing in a way that felt natural to him, it seemed, came just as natural to others on the net. It moved effortlessly through the Crown Pub and a few other choice spaces, slowly crafting the primary persona that I used when interacting with others. A Fennec, Aude, a corruption of her chosen name, a corruption born of the intricacies of a thoroughly vulpine muzzle, a persona honed to a fine point. It was then that A and Sasha had really started connecting, for it was her that introduced him to the community. They started hanging out more, talking more, building a network of friends together, where dating hadn't worked, friendship grew in both depth and breadth. Honing and forging. Honing and forging. The forging of the virtual theater environment had culminated in a scholarship at a big-name university out on the East Coast. Immersive Interactive Theater Technology, they called it. Forging into honing. It meant leaving Sasha and a few other close friends behind, along with her family, but it also meant that it would be at the forefront of a new tech something used in production, films, and live work both. The field had been so new that her own studies at university helped fuel the change in theater tech work. Her dissertation, what was meant to be a simple capstone project, was published and distributed, and theaters around the world were suddenly using immersive tech. A had continued to work at the university for a while. It was one of the few places around with both the theater and the hardware to back it up. A had considered continuing in her studies, but the draw of the theater was too heady too alluring. Academia spelled a life of forging. Work, one of honing. Why deny one's base nature? Honing and forging. Honing and forging. The call from London came less than a year after I graduated. Would I like to help start a tech-savvy theater group in town? The pay would be slow to start, but the troupe had a loose collection of apartments in the East End. It would have full run of the sound apartment. Yes? When could I start? Their parents had needed convincing. They were pleased, to be sure, but London, so far away. Still in the Western Federation, but so far. A made her promises that they would come home to visit every year and packed their bags. Burying himself deeper into the covers and the mattress, leaving enough room for Priscilla to join him later, RJ's thoughts alighted finally on Cicero, on the lost. Losing Cicero had been a shock. A disappearance at first, last seen two days ago. Three. And then it went on. Debar hollering one night after getting in touch with Sis's family. Lost, lost, he was lost. And getting lost was rare, vanishingly so, with perhaps a hundred cases at the time. Still, 
Among those who were counted among the lost, all were heavy interfacers. It was a risk, everyone had assumed, just as was travel. Call it occupational hazard. Something could always happen. Something could always go wrong. To lose someone so close, though, that hit hard. It was a sharp reminder of just how much they relied on the integration tech, not only for work, but for the lion's share of her social life. A enjoyed the company of the troop just fine. Troop pub trips were a weekly affair. But her heart lay among her friends on the net. Her friends being on the net meant more interfacing, and more interfacing meant, it seemed, more risk. Perhaps more for M than any of her friends. Airtech was truly immersive, after all. It was a dissolution of the body disembodied in the truest sense. It was becoming the room. It was a new sensory experience. No limbs, no torso, no face or eyes or ears, or maybe all ears. It became the room, feeling the way the sound echoed or didn't, knowing the limits of the speakers in a deeply physical way. Mics peppering the walls a new sensory input, the wires nerves, the speakers muscles to flex, instincts, reactions, and actions responding to whole systems of stimuli. Perhaps that was why I felt so at risk. They all were, of course, but to dissolve one's concept of a body at work, and then come home and warp the very same concept into that of a fox, no, a finely wrought amalgam of fox and self, felt perilously close to being lost sometimes. Honing and forging. Honing and forging. Risk and reward. A slept. You've been listening to Kohalet by Madison Scott Clary, book one of the Post-Self Trilogy. Read by the author. Kohalet and this podcast are released under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. Music by Chad Crouch, released under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution, non-commercial license. Kohalet is available as a paperback and ebook at kohalet.makyo.inc. That's Q O H E L E T H dot M A K Y O dot I N K. If you'd like to support more of my writing, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash makyo. That's patreon.com slash M A K Y O. Thanks for listening.